What does it take to become an elite 40K player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Hello and welcome to Art of War Unbroken. Champions may lose, but their spirits remain unbroken. I am your host, Blake Law. This is episode 75 of the podcast, and we are very happy everyone join us today for its A-R-K-A-N-S-A. That's for Arkansas. Fight, fight, fight. We're going back to Arkansas, people. We're bringing another Arkansan on the show. We're talking about the Kansas City GW Open. We're talking a little bit about demons, something we have not talked about in quite some time. And we're talking about their game into everybody's favorite, something we also haven't talked about in quite a while, the Blood Angels. They say you'll learn the most from your losses, and that's exactly what this show aims to do. We're going to be interviewing an elite player who has lost one to two games at a major event. We're going to be breaking down their mistakes and how they plan to learn from them. How often have you blamed a game on bad dice? We've all done it. I've done it. I heard John Lennon do it the other day. Everyone does it. It's a normal thing. So John John Lennon 100% lost because of his dice. Well, we'll get to that. So this is part one of the podcast. This part, we're going to analyze the game. We're going to talk about common mistakes, secondaries, target priority, and part two, which is available to subscribers at theartofwar40k.com. We are going to be deep, 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 Steve Joel, deep diving into, put a jar, put it in a jar. We're going to be talking about the strategies. We're going to be talking about his list, how it plays into your list, his strategy adjustments, list adjustments, and don't forget that sweet, sweet, sweet elite player mindset. I am joined once again from the grave, the ghost of the man you all love. He has won everything. He's won Adepticon a million times. He has finished very high in LVO several times. He's won Nova. He's won everything. This name of the event, he's been there. He's done that. He is currently the Prime Minister of Canada. I, of course, am talking about Mr. Brad Chester. This guy who's got two thumbs and is not very tall. Yeah. <laughs> Can I refer to you as the ghost of Brad today because you were absent last week? Uh, you literally gave, put me in timeout. I did put you in timeout. I set Brad out. I put <laughs> yeah, him on the bench. It wasn't like I wasn't going to do it. You were like, basically, as a man of medicine, you were not allowed to be here today. I put you on a pitch count, man. You got you, you threw that arm too much. <laughs> you were um, your, your shoulder was a little sore. It's like to- you're, you're riding the pine, brother. You're riding the pine. You're riding the pine. Put some ice on that shoulder. We'll get you back in next week. That's exactly what happened. But I'm very excited. We're bringing on another Arkansas person. This is the fir- this is like the first time last month, and now we're doing it a second time. I feel like we've really hit a streak. That sweet Arkansas meta, baby. It's it's really rising. We're about sweet to be the Arkansas meta. We're about to be the mecca of 40k, man. That's what this is all about. I'm Holy talking about land. my guest. My guest today is a little bit of a legend in Arkansas. He has been playing since 1997, I believe. I think he was one of the people who taught me how to play the game. He was a the guy at the shop who just demolished you as a new player. I showed up, and he's like, hey, you want to play a game? Sure. And I was like, where are my models? He's like, well, they're dead. Now you know. And that's, 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 that's our guest today. That's who he is. And uh, he was a War Machine player, actually, for a decade, one of the premier war machine players in the u.s he was on the team usa squad for that i believe i am course and talking five about times five times mr brent simon hey boy can i get a woo pig woo pig woo pig suey let's do it yeah See, we, i have, I have no it. idea i'm still like what's going on with this we're getting it's it on like, all the time man yeah. oh h <laughs> you've already been Come taught on. once brent he's already forgotten man how does i have silo you'll learn yeah everyone will do it I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm just, I'm still going down to the shoe. Ohio State all the time, baby. 
Brent, do you remember I was in college? So Brent's up from up uh, north, northwest where the university is. And so I was in college. I was learning how to play. And Brent was just wrecking people back then. I, mean, I think he won every 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 RTT up in that area at the time. Uh, yeah. And then I, I swapped over and uh, then it was Jeremy Yates and his crew for a while. But as a friend of mine phrased it from that crew, what is the best game on uh, best majors game out there? The one your friends are playing. Exactly. Oh, and all 100%. of my friends are on 40K. Yeah. You're back, man. So I, we got I you back. It, I went back to 40K competitively in April of this year. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I knew when the Demon Codex launched, I was like, oh, Brent's back. Brent's oh, back. The, Eldar, the Eldar Codex held, my, held me until the Demon Codex came out. Yeah. The Eldar right, Codex was a lot of fun. Basically, though, both of my, I play demons as though they're Eldar. So it, yeah. it's an easy change. Yeah, it's just purple change. Eldar. I also play my demons as Eldar. <laughs> Yeah, now, right? my, my battle cry is not in the face always applies for all my armies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start using that, actually. <laughs> Brent, tell me a little bit about what you thought about the Games Workshop event. So this is your first time going to one of these. This, so tell me this this is about my, the terrain. The, uh, so it, this is my first G, uh, actual GW event I've ever been to, uh, ever. And I've been playing their games since 3rd edition 40K and 5th edition Fantasy. So. Uh, the terrain was, uh, was new. I'd read about it, seeing it in person, realizing just how much of the terrain GW, uh, how much the board GW terrain takes up was, uh, interesting. Um, yeah, it made me very happy for the list I chose, uh, because I was able to leverage a lot of that, um, and just able to hide a lot better, even than I'm able to in most normal RTTs or, or two day events. Yeah. Uh, I ended up, and I acknowledge a hundred percent that. Uh, you can make this stuff yourself for pennies, and every site has details on how to do it. But I just went ahead and bought a set of their acrylics because sometimes you just really like having the official stuff to practice yeah. on. This, I don't believe anyone from Northwest Arkansas has made a GW Open before, so a lot of our locals are excited to make the next one. Uh, we're discussing Denver. I believe there's a Denver Open coming up. No, there's a. They haven't announced them yet, I don't think. But okay. they, uh, I, I imagine, no, Denver. That's the that's the frontline gaming one. They just announced. Oh, okay. Denver. So we're regardless, we're looking at if there's one within Dallas or KC or something like that next year. I think we're going to send a pretty good size crew. But you forget that I'm from Arkansas. And I've been to like all of them. So false brand. I forget because um, I've been extending an offer to you to come over and hang out with us and stay a weekend at my place and have my wife, who regularly impresses private chefs with her cooking ability cook for the entire weekend and so far you've come up with so many excuses like i had a kid or <laughs> i physically can't move yeah so are, yeah there I've, I've had some i've had some doozies like we but, uh, we're gonna sauce. we're gonna make it happen man i'm excited to get it get up there i'm moving closer to you too so that's gonna be an easy thing but all right man tell us uh you actually finished really well this weekend i was following it along i was like is brent gonna keep the streak going and you just kept winning man would you end up seven and one finishing seven and one second place second. uh my personal so uh, again feel free to make fun of me all you want i legitimately thought sun uh when they said cut for top for sunday i come from a um so i originally picked up competitive gaming with magic the gathering so i just assumed if you didn't make the cut you didn't play so I'm like, well, if I brackets, go like brackets all day long, baby, if I go like four and two, that'll be what I expect. Five and one, I'll be ecstatic. And uh, Blake said, if I, if I went X and two, he would 100% get me on a show. Yeah. And then I just I kept 
uh, I kept lucking out with matchups or with uh, my opponent's phenomenally bad dice or what have you. And I ended up uh, losing to Zach in the semifinals, who, and he ended up winning the whole thing. That being said, I'm not super optimistic about my odds in the, in the Manny's list in the finals either. So <laughs> I think 7-1 was 100% as good as I could have done, and I am over the moon with how, how I did. I want to say that you undersold to beat though, because in that path, you didn't just beat no one. You beat John Lennon and you beat Dan Sammons, both who are top, I think, twenty ITC yeah. players, probably top ten. I don't know, I have to look, but that's a pretty um, that's a pretty rough road. Let, let me let me take a moment here to sidetrack. I showed up for the game with John. John's dice beat. That's the, that's the exact that that is what the show is about. Is disproving um, disproving all did, of that? Did, yeah. did John tell you that how it went? John- John's actual quote, he, we use it all the time because Lennon's quote is, you can bitch about dice for 24 hours, then you got to figure out why you actually lost. Yep. John got, John got two casts off on his turn two psychic phase and did zero mortal wounds in his turn three psychic phase. Either of them would be the worst psychic phase I've ever seen in my life. Well, he, he failed at one point to cast advance and charge with a reroll, with yep. a neurothrope. That happens though, man. That that really does happen. I mean, it's like the odds are bad, but I mean, it's dice, you know. So I'm sure John um, can tell you. I would, I would like for John to come on here right now and just tell me what he thinks he did wrong in that game. Because I guarantee you, he would just have a laundry list of things besides dice there. Um, I, and, and and as as for Dan, I I love Dan to pieces. I've played him in a lot of games. He was uh, my secondary goal was to beat Dan Salmons. Um, because I've, I've beaten him a lot at war machine. Uh, I, I like the guy. We are basically the same person. We, we troll hard and we play lists that are just absolute bullshit and make no, no pretense about it. But, uh, I started off my game with Dan by pointing out that I am the current ITC or a current, uh, Lord Marshall conference points leader. And he, he won it by a lot last year. And he's like, well, I won last year. I was like, yeah, but that was last year, Dan. This is this year. Yeah. So, and you so, beat him. So now you uh, you can hold that over him. You can hold that over him as well. Dan and I, Dan and I troll each other. We've also been on the same team together. The entire team was based around trolling other people. So I like him a lot. That's a very Brent thing. That is a very Brent. Uh, if you could summarize him in a word, it's trolling is a good word for it. Brent, tell me a little bit about your list, though. Let's let's talk about what you brought to the uh, um, PC Open here. So general list building philosophy is. Find something that's undercosted and keep clicking the add button until you can't click the button anymore. Obviously, everyone and their mother identified that flamers are undercosted. I wanted three units of flamers. I wanted the Zinch stratagem. I want, or not uh, uh, stratagem, the warp storm table. I wanted the corn warp storm table. Under those constraints, I started adding things and tweaking things in my list, and I built outward from uh, there. I don't like exalted flamers on foot. I prefer the chariot versions because male- their malefic screamers hit disproportionately hard. And I started uh, uh, doing the same with fate skimmers. And I started realizing that I could use them for backup melee. Their profile is really good for killing Marines and really good for getting to places your opponent doesn't want you to get to. Um, originally, it was Karanak, three blood letters, and a skull cannon for the corn side, uh, as well as Bellacore in a Supreme Command, and then Double Fate Skimmer, Triple Max Flamer, Double Burning Chariot. Uh, I went back and forth on the Fate Skimmer spells, but I've settled on one having Gateway, one having plus one to wound, and both having Bolt of Change. I was bouncing back and forth whether both had Gateway or both had Bolt, but the ability to snipe with Bolt, I think, is very, very valuable. 
Uh, then the balance slate came out, and while it didn't do a whole lot to rein in nids or clowns or any of the things it was supposed to do, it did take away my ability to uh, unlock everything with Bellacore, and so any consideration for Nurglings went straight out the window. Uh, I consider double uh, double Greater Demon builds right now or triple to be kind of weak because if you play into a guard or a knight player, you're just going to remove a model off the table. Uh, and I've watched this. I've watched a guard player with a couple of Punisher cannons and some Demolisher cannons look at at Peyton, one of our other locals who was playing demons, who's actually fairly, fairly solid at it, and just go, well, if I win the die roll to go first, you can't hide. I guess I'll just remove something. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you backboard him. You back, that's what uh, Mark H. beat me at uh, he, Chicago, and he literally just backboarded everything. And then at the end, he, at turn three, he's like, here's Bellacor. Here's everything teleporting on top of Bellacor. And you're like, well, that's overload. That's pretty good. The, the issue is, uh, I, I'm not even certain you can backboard it uh, after turn one. Yeah, you just and the, man, you just get calculated the targeting. I mean, just the you can just yeah. especially with the lights, you just go. Well, Bellacor has twenty wounds. Well, here's twenty wounds because I flipped two wound dice yep. to sixes. Um, so I wanted Bellacor. Bell, so Bellacor is not not there for personal damage output. Bellacor does three things for me. Turn one, he he teleports a, a chapter, and I take I take his warlord trait, and I'm very much on the fence on it. It's not a good warlord trait. But I would spend a CP to give full rerolls to hit for a unit of uh, blood letters once, and that's all I'm doing. So turn one, I teleport blood letters into you. Uh, for the rest of the game, he absorbs shooting. He goes and kills Gilliman, Fall, whoever, whatever combat character has an involved. Those are his three jobs. Uh, I did get to use Sweep for maybe the second time in my life this weekend against an Admac player. I had to actually look up the rules to see if he had a damage one or damage two sweep because I had no idea. <laughs> and, and, and the Admac player had Lucius, of course. So I'm just like, I, I don't know if you get your buff. Let me check. So um, realistic, uh, realistically, though, Bellacor is there to soak bullets. Uh, I had a, a very nice Craft World LR player, game one, who killed Bellacor on top of five. Putting almost every shot into him, and I had failed. I had, sorry, I had passed four out of seven of uh, four out of twenty-one saves. Somewhere in there, I had healed Bellacor. So I had failed seventeen, and Bellacor still died on turn five. Uh, his job is literally just to soak bullets. I, I've had uh, war, uh, you had Howard Watts on yeah. earlier, right? Uh, I had Ward with fairly statistically average dice do eleven wounds to Bellacor turn one. Jeez, that's a that's a shitty list too. And turn two, he oh, I also almost killed a seal both guy. Uh, turn one B, that was a fun moment. Yeah, it still took him three turns to kill Bellacor. Yeah, Bellacor's a beast, man, for sure. He's a tough, tough enough to crack. But the, the thing is, everyone focuses on him, and that, yeah. that means they don't kill flamers. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I'm fine with that. Flamers, uh, so flamers even worse, honestly. If you if you're not, yeah. you can't shoot them down. Like you got to find a way to deal with them in combat for sure. So. Uh, back to the original point, as I was as I was figuring out what to add into my list, I realized uh, the skull cannon, the, and and this is the thing that got asked the most, is why skull cannons? Uh, people haven't looked at the Demon Codex, and by that I mean, I don't have anything to hold a back point. I mean, I've, I've, I've got a 70-point unit of Blue Horrors, which gives up about 15 points for no prisoners. Um, my current list gives up 84. I, I really don't give out more than 10 points on secondaries on anything on my list. Uh, also, Blue Horrors die to anything. Or I can spend 120 points for a combat unit of Demonettes to sit on my back point. Or 150 for Pink Horrors. Or for 100 points, I can put a unit that can kill, reliably kill, 
two to three Marines a turn in melee, Marines being the baseline of what you have to kill, right? And probably two Marines a turn at range, and they have a gun that ignores cover. So it's just hit on hit on threes, wound on twos, save on fours, mm-hmm. anywhere That's, on the board. Plus it's big damage on that. It's three plus D3. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a lot of shots. It's uh, damage two is the right point for a lot of, of shooting. And it's just, it's a really well-positioned little unit. It's T7 with nine wounds and a four-up save. What are you going to put into a backline unit that's not dedicated melee to take that? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I like some of it. It's the, we'll, yeah. Let me let me walk you through the the, the I, I can't even talk to apparently today. I just I let me, shut let me down, summarize what Brad's trying to say. My, my brain to just shut down. We're gonna circle back around to this, okay? And the Bradning because this is this is a this is, we're 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 dangerously we're flirting Bradning right now. We're we're on the we're towing the line. Uh, I'm a little uncomfortable, honestly. I'm a I'm feeling, <laughs> it's a little it's a little bit too it's a little bit too after hours. So we're gonna we're gonna circle back around to that and. Uh, Brad, why don't you go ahead and read us Zach's Blood Angel list? So I'm on it. Yeah, on it. We've got Commander Dante Lamartes, an Incursor Squad, two Death Companies with Thunder Hammers. Then we go into Sanguinary Priest, the third unit of Death Company, making it so it's so easy to get those two secondaries for Blood Angels. What makes them head and shoulders above so many of the other Power Armor Marines? Sanguinary Ancient with the Go Fast banner. Three units of Sanguinary Guard, seven, I think it's seven apiece, yes. Seven apiece, a fast attack assault squad, an eliminator squad, and one whirlwind for shenanigans. The shenanigan whirlwind. I love you gotta love it. You gotta love seeing that. Very good shenanigan whirlwind. What does Lamartes do? I, I I've thought about him at one point, but why is he in the uh, rerolls for Death Company? Uh, oh which, it's rerolls for Death Company, and he's basically the cap. So you get the 15 for the second day. Oh, because yeah, because he um usually gonna get four you're gonna get four apiece for each time because you get three points for killing something with death company, get one point for death company dying. You can get more if you multi if you get multiple kills. Typically you're just gonna get four basically four for each squad. And then Lamartis is also death company, so he can just get you those last points to get that 15 for that secondary. Between that and relentless assault, uh, death or uh, blood angels have a very solid secondary game. Man, that feels so fun, man. I look at this list and I was like, this is good. And it just looks like it's a blast to play. Well, it's crazy sometimes because, like, you're you feel like you're killing a lot of stuff, but like they just keep because relentless assault, all you have to do is toe touch in your opponent's deployment and it it scores. So you can get 15 on that and forlorn. And then all of a sudden you're just kind of sitting there going, hey, man, did you just score 30 and your two secondaries there? (laughs) What just happened? uh, you have the assault marines there too, so they're just out there to derp around and be like, "Hey, I'm towing your back line. I'm just over here. Don't mind me." Raising a banner, doing stuff. Yeah, like that. those guys are action monkeys. Solid, solid. Um, Brent, tell what mission did y'all play on? Oh, hang on a sec. I can find this. It was uh, number seven in the packet. What did I, I? I sent someone the list of. Brad, you normally know these things. Secure missing artifacts. Thirty. So going into the match. On this particular mission, how are you feeling? Were you feeling favored, and what um, was your game plan? So it feels kind of coin flippy to me. I, uh, Ethan Holt, uh, one of our locals, has been playing uh, this list without the whirlwind. Um, I mispositioned uh, a model um, 
turn one. I, I played too conservatively with Bellacor because I was concerned about Death Company going into him turn one because they can profile him. I wasn't thinking through what that would imply for the rest of the game. But in general, so the way GW terrain is laid out, one of two things is true. Either he moves up into the midfield open area and I get to make him take saves on threes, or he, I, he has to take a turn to kind of hop from point to point. To, to hop from cover to cover. It's not quite big enough to get that whole squad over the gap. So either either I have an extra turn, which I'll take, or I have a turn of, of wounding him, or of uh, him saving on threes instead of twos, which I will also take. I don't know if anyone went to Flying Monkey Con uh, or saw Michael Mann's list from there, the Oops All's Inch uh, demon list, but that I found out that's one of Zach's uh, playtest partners. So he was very <laughs> familiar with my list. I was very familiar with his he he uh, thought he was advantaged in the matchup. I thought it wasn't as big of an advantage, but I thought it was a kind of a coin flip. And uh, obviously, his analysis was more accurate than mine. Kind of tell me, uh, what is your thoughts? When you look at that, what is your goal on how you're going to approach the match and score points? So my demon philosophy lately has been one of two things. And this is going to sound, I don't want to sound overly cocky, but it's going to come across that way. Can I table my opponent by turn three? If the answer is yes, I take despoilers of reality, and then I score all those points on turn four and five. Um, if, if you've not looked at despoilers, it's a fantastic secondary if you can reliably table your opponent. If you can't, I look at things like assassinate, no prisoners, something along those lines. Uh, obviously, playing demons, you just always take reality ripples. It's your pretty much give it, here's 15 free points for playing demons. So ridiculously good. <laughs> what does that one do? It. Um, it's, it's just it's so, so much worse. So I uh again, I'm a really bad player, Blake. Um because <laughs> round three, my in the demon mirror, my opponent explained to me that I was shorting myself. If you've got a model within completely within six of the center, you get a point. Then for each board quarter, you have a demon unit wholly within outside of six of the center. As long as your opponent doesn't have more units than you, you get another point. It was that last bit that I was misreading. I thought I had to have more units than him. If you're tied, you still get the point. Oh. Yeah, you can get some big flips too. It's almost an auto 15 because you're just, the way you're playing anyways, you're pushing middle anyways. So you end up with three, half the games you end up with three, 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 three. Well, you, well, you get three a turn and you might get a two, but then you're going to get one turn where you're making your push where you just have more more units than your opponent, just not more, but equal or more. And, and then you right. get that fourth. Any corner deployment is pretty much a solid for a turn. Yeah, it's crazy. You can scoot out. Yeah, yeah. And you can just react to wherever they go, especially if you're playing, I don't know, 14 chariots. I don't know <laughs> who would do that, though. Um, <laughs> so uh, so that's, that was kind of my philosophy. In this particular matchup, uh, he gave up 13 for Assassinate. I, I don't remember what he gave up for no prisoners. I don't think he uh, gave me a solid answer. He, I was like, what do you get for, up no, for, prisoners, for no prisoners? He's like, oh, somewhere between 12 and 15. And I'm like, yeah, that's Somewhere between 0 and 15. Good. 0 and yeah, 15. No, well, I mean, once you get over 12, I'm just writing that down. Like, he, the, the, uh, Zach was super nice about it. He was starting to count it up, and he's like, it's at least 12. And I'm like, yeah, check. We'll add it up at the end. Apothecary shifts the numbers a little bit. But it was it was one of those where it's just like no prisoners against troop heavy marines or tyranids. It's just an automatic, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't think I was going to be able to reliably table him, so I went with not despoilers. We deployed. Uh, he won the die roll to go first, which is very important. I feel in that matchup. 
Uh, and that was when I realized the error of my mispositioning, and I immediately lost a fate scare and had my flamers tied up in combat. What did so he turn I, off your Overwatch, or what was the situation with the flamers? Uh, he, he piled into the flamers. Uh, flamers can't um, fire into combat, and they can't fall back and shoot. I don't know how much you want to me to go into the, the specifics of the game, but I can. Let's walk through this bad boy. Yeah, walk us through it, man. So he, moved up, he moved up uh, Death Company, and then he moved up basically his entire uh, rest of his army in mid, uh, between center point and his zone, all out in the open, except for a unit of Eliminators. He's got a squad of in somethingers in cursors on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on one objective he's got a whirlwind on the other everything else is basically in mid and i look at the at the board and i look at my opponent who's just a super nice guy and i'm like you know what let's just see who wins the game and everything i could moved into the mid except for bellacore who went back to deal with the death company because he could not get a charge and by everything i mean a uh, unit of bloodletters got re-rolls and moved up a unit of bloodletters moved up all my chariots that could moved up. Flamers moved up. We um, went to our psychic phase, and I had I had I had measured out nine inches to make sure I could deep strike bloodletters, and I put out one and did not proxy out the entire unit like I should have. That's what good players would do because if I had done that, I would have realized I didn't need to spend my three warp storm points for plus one to cast. I needed to save some for ignore charge modifiers because two of them ended up in the woods. Oh. This is what we call, I believe, a non-optimal situation. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. I'm going to roll 3d6 anyway. Drop the lowest. So, you know, I've still got... Uh, if you're not used to... Uh, in War Machine, it was called Signs and Fortin's Math. It's uh, add a dice and drop the lowest. Uh, if you've never looked at the math for this, uh, 3d6 drop the lowest on a 9 is some, uh, with a reroll is something like a 75 or 80% chance. Uh, so I start shooting... Uh, he rolls. Uh, he rolls well on saves. Um, well, I, I'd, I'd say slightly above statistically average, but within like five percent or less, it's not enough for me to complain about. But the net result is, instead of killing twenty-one sanguinary guard, but or fourteen sanguinary guard, like I expected, I killed twelve, eleven, and it doesn't. And I got some eliminators. I had to charge flamers into eliminators to uh, get them out of the way for a chariot to charge through because I, on average dice, I don't have a landing spot. So the eliminators manage to live, and that cuts off one of my overwatches next turn. The whirlwind cuts off the other. We go in, uh, we roll uh, the demons, the blooders on my right fail a seven inch, maybe a six inch charge. I think it was a six inch charge. They just fail to get to the sanguinary guard. And then the blood letters in terrain roll a 10 on three dice, drop the lowest. So I just pick it up and hard roll straight into like boxcars. That's what you do, right? Net result, we, we brawl in the middle for a couple of turns. Um, there's a couple of points where I'm pulling ahead, a couple of points where he's pulling ahead. There's a, a turn where I have a charge into two guys on the left and the squad on the right, and he has an interrupt. And I don't realize the squad on my left has thunder hammers. It's not due to my opponent at all. It's the fact that I just didn't look. <laughs> like, I'll be 100% honest. Uh, so it turns out when you interrupt uh, into a skull cannon with eight, yeah. two, eight threes and twos, and the skull cannon has three wounds left, uh, only one has to get through. Yeah, it's um, toast. Uh, at that point, after that turn, I looked at the board. Um, he wasn't blanking me on primary, but it was pretty close to it, and I wasn't getting... He was getting a solid 8 or 12 a turn. Uh, it was only turn 3B, but I could look at the board and go, I'm not 
this is non this is a non recoverable board state. He's going to be able to run. He's literally going to spend the rest of the game running uh, characters in different corners for assassinate purposes. And uh, I said, man, you, you played a better game. Trishan worked out for you. Where do you feel like if you had to pick like three areas where you, if you could take it back, you'd do it? Where do you feel like they were? Too conservative with Bellacor. I should have positioned him such that he was probably so he probably needed to be in front of the Fate Skimmer and Flamers on my backside. So I had I had two ruins with Flamers up top, Blood Letters below. Blood Letters can't be charged because corn or because uh, GW ruins rules. I should have put Bellacor in the middle. And if my opponent had angled pile into and tried to engage the the flamers, uh, I would have popped the corn strat at the beginning of combat to pile in around him. Um, I was too concerned about losing a statistically average 12 wounds on Bellacor that I didn't think about the fact that he's going to get a fate skimmer and tie up six flamers. Uh, I positioned the flamers in mid incorrectly, resulting in me having to charge them. If I don't do that, if I do get an overwatch, I'm in a better position. And then I should... In general, I mean, it worked out for me, but I should have just positioned uh, and proxied out um, the unit that was that was teleporting. I've got an entire third unit in my bag, so it, it doesn't cost me anything to do that. If I do that, I either get a better positioning, I hold off for a turn, but regardless, the goal was to save the reroll for one of the other units that didn't quite make it and try to push mid a little harder. Yeah. Um, again, so, though, it, it's uh, it's a. I feel at best it's a coin flipping matchup. Played by a very good opponent, and uh, I, I think those are the things I would focus uh, have focused on changing differently. So, over the course of the weekend, what unit would you say you was your MVP, MVP and, and what's on who's, the chopping block? And who's on the chopping block? Um, is that kind of both of us saying it? <laughs> so, so Bellacor is the MVP, and it's uh, I, I don't know if we touched on it before after we started recording. He did his entire job. Uh, I, I can obviously, I think flamers are uh, fair and balanced and are appropriate cost and don't need to be looked at in any way. But um, Bellacor did did his job of just being a, a giant target. Uh, as for who's on the chopping block, um, nothing. Uh, and I say that because I've tried a lot of other options in the list and hated all of them. Uh, if I add what I want, which is Nurglings or Screamers, I can't get enough screamers to make it worth it. I I can't get nerglings because I lose the no fallback or the extra attack strat. So really, I think nothing's on the chopping block until January, at which point I decide whether uh, what what the next year for demons looks like. Can do. So let's well, let's take a seat. I've got a lot of stuff for you. But let's take a seat sure. to the bread. I'm I'm ready for the bradning. Are you ready? Are you ready for the bradning? I'm ready for the. Am bradning. I ready for the bradning? Have you ever been bradninged? I I have. I've not. Have you ever been? And I was a fraternity before. Hey, if if Nick were on this episode, you'd be getting a hard nicking. Was that different than a deep nicking? A deep nicking. You'd be getting. We're we're not going there today. We're gonna go. We're going to the Bradning. (laughs) Hey, last week was the Blakening, and it was it was successful. I don't know if I need you anymore, Brad. Um, you're gonna. I'm just an old man. Just an old, just an old man talking forty. Take me back days. out the back and shoot me, man. Old yeller, I don't, I don't want to do it, Brad. I don't think I can. <laughs> I, I like boy. how Blake calls you an old man, and I'm your age. <laughs> I'm still significantly older. I'm always older. I'm always yeah. old. Thanks for listening, everybody. Brent, thanks for joining us. You're I look welcome. forward to part two. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to check out our other podcast. We have The Art of War Vanilla with Nick Nanavati and Paul Murphy. We have The Art of War, very, very Australian edition with the late and great Adam Camilleri. We, of course, are The Art of War Pistachio, the flavor didn't know you loved till you tried us. Thanks for listening. Join us for part two. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network, theartofwar40k.com. Come <laughs>